Welcome to the Carefree Black Nerd Podcast, a conversation about representation in comics and related media. I am your host, Rain Coleman, and boy, oh boy, has it been a time. <laughs> so uh, thank you all for tuning in. Use that hashtag CBNPod when listening to this episode. Uh, and any thoughts or questions or answers to my questions that you may have, use that hashtag CBNPod. Uh, so today we're going to do something a little different. We're going to discuss the Inhumans, but uh, really I'm going to fan cast the Inhumans. Um, give you a little bit of history about the characters. They are a fictional group of superheroes. These are Marvel Comics characters. Uh, the series is usually focused on the adventures of the Inhuman royal family. So that gives you a, a quick kind of idea of what type of story or what type of stories the Inhumans are involved in. Now, I have not been a fan of the Inhumans per se, and it's not because they're terrible or anything. It's just because, again, growing up, as long-time listeners should know, I am more of a Mutants fan. The Inhumans had a television series back in 2017, back when Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and like Peggy Carter and a few others were like the canon MCU shows. Uh, the Netflix series were not involved in that. I bring that up because Inhumans got a terrible, terrible rep. Their reviews, <clears throat> excuse me, from what I saw were shitty. It has to say the least. Um, I never checked out Inhumans, but for this episode, I actually did revisit the series, or visit, in this case, visit the series, and I, I have my thoughts. So, I am eventually going to fan cast Inhumans. It'll only be a, a handful, most from the Inhuman royal family. So, if you're looking forward to that, stay tuned. Uh, <laughs> and let me know, guys, in the comments, or even with the hashtag, Inhumans, what is your relationship to the Inhumans? Is this a group that you were into either before the show when it was just comics or even after? Um, do you hate the Inhumans because there's been a lot of hate? Or are you in that camp of down with the Inhumans? Or um, are you indifferent like you could care less one way or the other? Let me know. Uh, so like I said, this is a Marvel Comics uh, property. And it looks like they first appeared in Fantastic Four number 45. That was back in December of 1965. And the humans were created by Stan Lee, who was the writer, and Jack Kirby, who was the artist. Uh, their place of origin is Earth. And a few notable members are uh, Black Bolt, Medusa, Karnak the Shatterer, Gorgon, Triton, Crystal, Maximus the Mad, the Unspoken, and Lockjaw. Those are the royal family Inhumans. Now, uh, with the Inhuman series, uh, first appearing in Fantastic Four, although some of those members, so Medusa and Gorgon, I believe, appeared in earlier issues, which were listed at about uh, issues 40, no, no, I'm sorry, 36 and 44. Uh, their home city of Adelan was first mentioned years earlier in a Tuck the Cave Boy story that was written by Jack Kirby, and that story appeared in Captain America Comics number one back in 1941. So then humans been, you know what I'm saying, they've been around. They, they've been around. <laughs> 
Um, and that was back in March of 41. So now the city was described as the home of a race that was evolutionarily advanced when humans were still in the Stone Age, which is cool. Um, with going through looking up in humans lore, I found that I would probably be interested in reading up on some inhuman stories. Um, <clears throat> I do love the mutants. Those are my top tier group. But the Inhumans are very interesting. And with MCU's kind of failed attempt at making them the X-Men of MCU without having the rights to X-Men, uh, I wanted to look back and see what all the hype was about. And was it was the negative reviews earned from the audience or were they, I don't know, I guess a response or a reaction to the Inhumans taking that coveted mutant spot? Now, the Inhuman Royal Family have been adapted into numerous Marvel's animated series and video games over the course of a few years. The Inhumans characters were introduced in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that was the live action, and this was in the second season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, <clears throat> when I say Inhumans, I mean humans as a race, not the Royal Family. Um, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I remember, uh, when was this? Had to be 2015 or 16. Whenever Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. started, I remember I didn't have cable at the time. I was watching a lot of Netflix. And I believe with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I ordered the whole series, the whole first uh, season through Apple TV. And I just watched it from my phone. And I had got really kind of addicted to to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and that was for a few seasons but I do remember the Inhuman season and about the fish oil and the water contamination and whatnot and that was pretty interesting um it made me wonder why Inhumans didn't take off and I'm speaking very <clears throat> not cryptically per se um, I'll say this full transparency. I only watched the first episode of that one season. Um, I don't plan on doing like a review of the series, but I wanted to, within uh, looking over the comic book history, look at this first episode and see if this was a substantial, um, a good pilot. If this was something that would catch my attention and make me even want to continue on so that I could see what the negative reviews were about. So, um, yeah, long story short, <laughs> Inhumans first appeared in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, um, the show was was given only one season. Um, there was a film adapt adaptation of the Inhumans that was announced back in 2014, but that was also removed from their slate, which, again, it's like, I guess you when you're juggling so many uh, IP and you have rights to some, anticip anticipating getting rights from others, and working with the toys you already have in your toy box, I can see why or how the Inhumans were kind of lost in that shuffle. It's unfortunate, but, you know, it happens. Um, let's get to uh, publication history. So, of course, they appeared in Fantastic Four, number 45. Um, they fight the Silver Surfer in Silver Surfer number 18. That was in September of 1970. Uh, their first ongoing feature... Uh, the first six issues of which were written in pencil by Jack Kirby. Those appeared in Amazing Adventures number one in August of 1970 uh, to number 10 in January of 1972. 
the characters received their own self-titled series in October of 1975, which ran for about 12 issues, and it ended in August of 77. Now, all but nine issues were written by Doug Moench. I believe that's his name, M-O-E-N-C-H. Um, now, he has said that he was fascinated with the Shaggy God story, aspects of the Inhumans, um, a follow-up to the series ending that appeared in Captain Marvel number 53 back in November of 1977. Now, what I do like about the Inhumans is that they were largely absent from a lot of publications for much of the 80s. Um, they appeared in their own graphic novel that was back in 1988. It was written by Anne Nascenti. Uh, illustrated by Britt Blevins, so you know, shout out to y'all. But Nascenti followed up by making the Inhumans Karnak and Gorgon supporting cast members in Daredevil. That was from issues uh, 272 back in November of 89 through 283. And um, that was in August of 1990. And again, that's something that I do like about the Inhumans because it gives you a... Um, you have a, a long history in the sense that they were around for the early age of Marvel, but not having a lot of a, a large footprint in the grand scheme of Marvel Comics allows you to take them and do interesting things that I feel would probably give you less backlash from the fanboys and fangirls than messing with like an Avengers or an X-Men or something. Um, I do, I understand, well, I know that since then there have been a bunch of Inhuman stories that have come out about the 2016-17 stage. I remember going into my local comic shop and seeing tons of Inhuman titles, but I think that there's still a race and a property that can be played with a bit more now again i'm not an inhuman stand so as far as storylines and big arcs that that pertain to inhumans i'm not aware of so if you guys know of any big inhuman arcs that might be interesting to me let me know uh use that hashtag cbm pod and i'll definitely check those out check those out excuse me um but i do i i think one of the drawbacks with the inhumans is the mutants um they're in there and what i'm going to suggest may have already been done and if so and you know let me know but i feel like there needs to be this very clear distinction between an inhuman and a mutant since they both do exist in the same universe uh and honestly i'd love for the inhumans to just be regulated to the moon let them say adelan is a city that is on the moon let them stay on the moon and keep them in outer space keep it cosmic even if you do those um stories where it is those uh kind of like low state not low stakes what am i thinking of the grounded guy or girl about town type series do that but do it on the moon do it you know let them go to mars or to other planets because i feel like just from me looking at some of their history and knowing what i know about x-men they just feel like they're not different enough from mutants to make sense for them to exist on the same earth as mutants and then mutants still get all this shit it just it doesn't make any sense to me but again if, if what i'm mentioning has already been done let me know let me know so with the inhuman series by paul jenkins and jay lee this one ran for about 12 issues as well from november of 98 to october of 99 the series which was used um 
being humans as a social allegory uh, for the United States. This series won an Eisner Award for Best New Series, and it also went on to establish the Inhumans as those viable comic-selling characters. And that's another thing. I feel like most characters are viable. It's just what team is handling that character. There are niches in every freaking industry. There are stories that can be told. And when you say things like, I don't know, oh, Squirrel Girl won't sell, or, you know, oh, we can't have a black Captain America, that's not going to sell. Like, when you have these properties and there's a larger machine at work trying to figure out, oh, if people will like this or if they won't, it, it gets really frustrating because every character can have an interesting story. Hell, Tom King did the uh, Kite Man arc in his Batman run, and that was interesting. Uh, Calendar Man as a character should not make sense. Like, <laughs> not. But there are some, um, he's been involved in some good stories. I feel like that is a big cop-out. Now, it's one thing to test out a character and then see that it's not selling and maybe pull the plug, which even that is a bit problematic, I feel, because when it comes to marginalized people, it's as if if you don't hit it 100% out of the park the first go round, then we're going to get a bunch more Superman and Captain America books on the shelves in place of that when you can have a little bit more variety. And also, who is deciding what's... Um, what is successful is it just based off of those sales because with books be you a prose writer comic book writer or whatever the money is in the back catalog i feel you have books you have works of art that you've created so if i do write three books and somebody discovers my third book they have two more to look at so if you do have a character and they're not doing well, and you're like, all right, well, we're going to stop it after six issues. That's not really giving that character and that creative team enough to improve upon, I feel. I don't know. I just It just frustrates me when you have these characters and a lot of it is just led by sales, which, of course, you're in it to make money, but you have all of these amazing characters and yet the same handful get that rotation into the spotlight time after time after time. It's just like switch up your creative teams, do something interesting, and let some folks get more than 6 or 12 issues in a run. Whew, that's my soapbox rant, y'all. <laughs> now, um, there was a four-issue limited series by writers Chris Pacello. Um, mm, Chris, that's definitely Carlos. My apologies. Carlos Pacello. Mm, yep, I'm saying that name all wrong. And Raphael Marin. Um, and the artist was Jose Ladrone, I believe. And this was published back in 2000. Now, the fourth volume uh, was 12 issues concentrated largely on the new characters within the human society. Which, again, that's something interesting. You're able to breathe new life, give new blood to these characters. Um, in 2007, the Inhumans were featured in the Silent War limited series. This was by writer David Hyde and artist Fraser Irving. Now, follow the events of Secret Invasion, the Inhumans appeared on one side of the War of Kings storyline with Black Bolt. He was the King of the Kree, facing off against Vulcan, who was the leader of the Shi'ar. And in 2013, the event Infinity, this led to major changes in the status quo for the Inhumans. Now, many of the new Inhumans, or new humans, instead of I-N humans, N-U humans, um, those appeared as a result of the detonation of the Terrigen Bomb. 
Now, writer Chris Soule became the lead, the lead writer on the Inhumans franchise, starting with the Inhumans series, which ran for 14 issues from April 2014 to June 2015. The new human, Kamala Khan, also becomes the leader of her own title, Miss Marvel, Volume 3, following the Secret Wars event. Uh, the franchise expanded to two ongoing titles, Uncanny Inhumans, which ran for 20 issues from 2015 to 2017. So this is about the time where I started getting back into comics. So for those of you longtime listeners know, there was a, a, a big gap in my comic reading for some time. And about, I'd say 2015, 2016 ish, I believe I got, oh, actually maybe a little bit earlier, I think maybe maybe early 15 somewhere around there it was like right before maybe a year or two before i started the podcast and this was about the time that i was getting back into comics consistently like got a pull list at my shop every week and i saw so many inhumans titles which for me wasn't um it wasn't a bad or a good thing it was just like oh okay what is this new group and i want to say i knew the inhumans were old as far as publication timeline but having stepped away from comics for so long and then revisiting and seeing all these different titles i don't know if it clicked with me initially that they that i remember that they were old um that's neither here nor there i just want to kind of lay lay the groundwork or lay the scene for where i was about this time so these issues of uh inhumans that were coming out around the 2017 time is when i was getting back into comics and i was noticing more and more talk about inhumans um now that all new inhumans uh series ran for 11 issues um there have been two spin-off titles with karnak those ran in 2015 for six issues, which were uh, penned by Warren Ellis and drawn by Gerald, I'm sorry, Gerardo Zafino and Roland Boschke. Um, Black Bolt had a series that ran for 12 issues from 2017 to 2018, uh, and that was penned by Saladin Ahmed and drawn by Christ, mm, Christian Ward. Jesus Christ. Um... I'm thinking this is the Black Bolt series that I ended up picking up because I have a, I think a full run of the Black Bolt series and I may have only gotten through one or two issues and it was the arc in which he was imprisoned on a planet that was not Earth. It was something, I'll have to look it up. If you know what I'm talking about, tweet me, CBN Pop. So, with that series, um, in 2017, Marvel had announced two series involving the Inhuman Royal Family. Royals, which would be written by Al Ewing, drawn by Kevin Libranda. Mm, mm. Y'all, you know I, I'm messing up names, the butcher of names. Uh, but this was canceled after 10 issues. And then there was a five-issue miniseries titled Inhumans, Once, Once and Future Kings. That was written by Christopher Priest and drawn by Phil Noto. Now, that explored the royal family origins. Again, this is 2017-ish. Let's just say 2019, just to round it up. These folks have been around since 45. That's a long time. And that's why I say, even with all of the stories that have been written recently with about 2016 and, and forward, there still is so much space to play around with these characters. Because again, the Inhumans, 
There have been tons of real-world events that have happened since 1945. There have been tons of incontinuity events that have happened since, two, since uh, 1945. There are so many spaces that you could fill in and tell stories about different characters, be it the royal family, new humans, or whatever, in that time span of, like, even from the 80s when that series popped up in the uh, 88 from 88 to 2008, you could fill that gap with tons of stories. Um, and I think that with the Inhumans, there is, from what I've found, this missing, I don't know, like missing lore. Like, because I feel like they should be at a higher status than what they are. Like, as much as I love the mutants and what they represent and all that, and even with Avengers and how they come to be, when you look at the Inhumans, I would say they should be treated like a period piece, like a, um, a story about a royal family and lean into it. Like, I hope I'm making sense. Like really lean into the Duke, Duchess, King, Queen of it all, the, uh, Game of Thrones type of drama, violence, like lean into that and, and make it uh, make that the focus. I feel like that's something that could really set the Inhumans apart from mutants, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I do. And hit me up if you have any ideas on like how the Inhumans could improve. For even if there are stories where you're like, this was a great story. If they would do more in this vein or in this lane, they would be great. Let me know. Use that hashtag CBNBot. I'd like to, um, at the very least, look at some of these other arcs or hear what you guys think about the Inhumans, if you think about them at all. <laughs> Now, in July of 2018, Marvel launched a new five-issue miniseries titled Death of the Inhumans, written by Donny Coates and drawn by Ariel Olivetti. Um, so let's move on to some of their powers. Now, even without using the Terrigen Mist, uh, the Kree modifications combined with centuries of selective breeding have given all Inhumans certain advantages. Now, their lifespan is 150 years, and an Inhuman in good physical condition possesses strength, reaction time, speed, and endurance greater than that of the finest human athletes. Now, Karnak and other normal Inhumans, who are all in excellent physical shape, can lift one ton and are physically slightly superior to the peak of a normal human with uh, physical achievement. Now, exposure to the Terrigen Mist can both enhance and, in some cases, reduce these physical capabilities. Which is like, I would, I would whoop some ass if you put me through Terrigenesis and I come out weaker. I'm, I'm whooping everybody's ass. I'm gonna tell you that. <laughs> now, most Inhumans um, are used to living in a pollution-free, germ-free environment and have difficulty tolerating Earth's current level of air and water pollution for any long period of time, which makes absolute sense. It's trash down here so yeah <laughs> inhumans stay where you are so there are a few types of inhumans there's the alpha primitive those are a slave race created by the inhumans they first appeared in fantastic four number 47 back in february of 66 uh, because of the inhumans low population they created a labor force for hominids um they are bred to be strong but of limited intelligence, which is like, again, this is shitty. This is a terrible thing. And it comes up in the pilot episode, which we'll discuss. But God dang it. Again, you can lean into this. Um, they were also rendered unable to breed, being produced only by cloning. 
They were used by Maximus the Mad in several schemes, resulting in their being freed from servitude by Black Bolt. They would no longer be cloned, and those already made would be allowed to live out their lives in a excuse me in a preserve under the city, which is even that like yes I I saved you though I am the one who created this system to begin with, but also go underground, do not be seen like very Morlockish, very very racist if you ask me. Um, now after some time. Uh, though it was understood that the Alpha Primitives could not live on their own, and the previous arrangement was reversed. Like, sure, you reversed it, but like, mm, you still did it to begin with. Now, the former king of the Inhumans, called the Unspoken, revealed that Alpha Primitives are actually humans who have been exposed to gas from the Xerogen Crystals, a substance created by the Kree as a weapon for the Inhumans to use against their human enemies. So you've enslaved tons of humans. And again as horrible and trashy as this is i think would make for a very good story like this is the history of the inhumans but like again lean into that um i think another thing that has me kind of champion for like leaning into the royal terror of it all is i've watched a few kind of period pieces over the last you know a couple weeks maybe month or so um and it has been it has been interesting seeing the retelling of certain royal families, wars, and events through different series and kind of, you know, pulling out pieces that or noticing things that stand out a bit. And I just feel like this, this, this title lends itself to that so well, better than just saying, oh, this is the queen and this is the king, like get into the nitty gritty. Uh, okay, so in addition to alpha primitives, they have bird people. Now, the bird people are a genetic offshoot of the inhumans with bird wings, and in some cases, bat wings, which, again, I'm whooping your ass if I come out of Terragenesis and I have bat wings. Um, they're also super inhumans. So the Kree eventually designed a new race of inhumans that differs greatly from the original called super inhumans. They are believed to be engineered from birth, uh, with almost all of their fellow Inhumans' abilities and none of the problematic humanity. What? <laughs> they cannot be swayed or tricked or bought for, uh, since they don't want anything but their enemies' hearts to stop beating, which is terrifying as the fuck. Um, the known member of this new race is Vox, and the reason that this is the superhuman race is actually a ruse perpetrated by the Kree, and Vox is not actually a person. Instead, a program designed by the Kree which then is imprinted on select inhumans that transforms them genetically into a killing machine. Now, when Vox is defeated or killed, another selected inhuman would be activated and transformed into Vox. Again, something that you, because that sounds absolutely friggin' terrifying, but it also reminds me of an inhuman uh, mosaic who his inhuman ability is to inhabit the body of other people. He no longer has a tangible physical body. I believe he's like a, alone on his own, it's like a, a physical. For those of you who are familiar with the mutant gentle, the Wakandan mutant gentle with those like blue marks on its body, or even those of you who've seen Black Panther and the way the purple um, lines in his costume are shown that's what what uh mosaic looks like and i actually did an issue on mosaic i can't remember what number it was off the top of my head but i will link it in the show notes uh that reminds me a lot of mosaic and 
can you imagine Vox going up against Mosaic and Mosaic like inhabiting Vox's body? Oh my goodness, that would be a showdown. I would love to see. I would love to see the artwork on that. Woo, okay. So they only want those uh, enemies' hearts to stop beating. And that in and of itself is like, and this also reminds me of um, what is that mask that has been corrupting people? I know Polaris was um, kind of infected by it at a time. Do not remember. If you know, please use that hashtag CBN pod and let me know. So let's go back to the royal family. So I am going to fan cast them, but I want to go over the characters who I'm going to fan cast and give you a little bit of information. So Black Bolt is uh, the king of the Inhumans. This is the guy who does not speak at all. Uh, let's go over his power. So he is a, uh, let me see how to put this. Black Bolt's Terrigen Mutated Physique surpasses the superhuman physique of typical inhumans so he is even more advanced um his strength stamina durability and reflexes are all above typical human or inhuman levels his speed and agility are highly enhanced and he possesses superhuman senses so the way that i see inhumans honestly are like um kryptonians just not as powerful i feel like superman would be stronger and faster than black bolt but i feel like black bolt could carry his own against superman I, yeah that's that's the way i view them if you um feel the same way or if you don't let me know if you think superman and black bolt could go toe for toe for a while and this isn't one of those who would win because you know nerves this and that whoever the writer wants to win yeah but i'm thinking like just to give you a, a frame of reference do you feel like black bolt is at the level of Superman, or do you think that he is, you know, much, much lesser than? Now, an organic mechanism in Black Bolt's brain, um, in his, okay, how to put in his brain's speech center, this produces an unknown particle that interacts with ambient electrons. This enables him to produce mentally controlled phenomena. This is most, the most devastating of his Terrigen transformation at things, <laughs> for lack of a better term. So it, it emits this quasi sonic scream. Now, because his electrons are harnessing ability, is linked to the speech center of his brain. I'm hoping that you follow me here. Any attempt to use those vocal cords will trigger that, that the effects of that scream. Jesus Christ. All in all, when he opened his mouth, he can, you know, blow up a building. <laughs> in short. So, um, because of this limitation, Black Bolt must constantly, constantly be very vigilant of e of not speaking even the slightest of words or sounds. And the funny thing is not the funny but not funny is when I watched the pilot episode of the Inhumans, the first time we see Black Bolt and his Queen Medusa there in bed. We're assuming either they've already had sex or they're about to have sex. And I'm thinking, you gotta be a strong man well, everybody's not the same sexually, but I'm just thinking like would you not say anything? Would you not moan a little bit during sex? Like yo like, where, how did y'all get here? Because they're, like, very much in their 40s. I, I say mid-40s. So, like, you've been... I don't know. It's That's my mind. <laughs> Charges to my head and my heart. So, um, at, at full strength, 
Black Bolt's voice can destroy planets, while a whisper can rock a battleship. When Black Bolt was captured and experimented on by the scrolls, it is shown that his sonic scream is triggered uh, by, of course, being tortured, and at least partially depends on his emotional state. So that's another thing, too, to factor in is uh, Black Bolt, to me, in those ways, he's much like Storm, where you have this immense power and a lot of times it's or not a lot of times it is dependent upon your mental state so you'll see storm written as this calm collected almost ethereal person character because not not just because oh that makes her so great no because her the world depends on it <laughs> you know you cry a little bit too much and you can flood you know cities so i really like that and that's actually a team up i would like to see is storm and black bolt so if there and i don't believe there has been but if there is a series or an arc or some interaction with the two of them like going on an adventure let me know i don't think there is uh but if you by any chance know of some offshoot issue from you know 86 or whatever where black bolt and storm teamed up let me know um, cause shit, that'd be a dope, what, what, whatever. So yeah, uh, full voice can destroy planets. A whisper can rock a battleship. And that is, oh, Mary had a little lamb. So there is a fork like antenna that he wears on his forehead. It helps Black Bolt to control his powers. Um, he can channel his powers inward to increase his strength and speed and can focus it through the, fo the focusing tool or his arms as concussive blasts. Uh, Black Bolt is also capable of challenging, challenge, mm, channeling, again words, channeling all available energy into one devastating punch, one punch man. But <laughs> well, this is called his master blow, which renders him extremely vulnerable afterwards. Again, I like that he's so powerful, but then there are those limitations to his powers. It makes for very interesting storytelling. I need to crack out that issue or that run of Black Bolt and and just revisit that because i do like him as a character for the little knowledge i have about black bolt i have liked him um and i haven't really kind of imprinted on other inhumans the way that i have on black bolt and it's not that's saying a lot but it's not saying a whole lot because again i have a limited experience with the character now moving on to medusa her name is medusa Amara Quillen, mm, nope, Amaquillen Boltagon. Jesus Christ. So for Medusa, she possesses long, thick red hair. And thanks to the uh, Terrigen Mist, every strand of her hair is like a great, um, it's like an, like an octopus, I would imagine. It's strong. Um, it's full of elasticity and uh, resistance far as uh, surpassing human hair. Now, this is where I have an issue with the show. Um, getting ahead, I'll just say that there is a scene where she gets her head shaved. And for me, not knowing much about the Inhumans, knowing Medusa's powers, not knowing the very specifics of her hair, still thought that was odd. I was like, well... If this woman's hair is like a, a, an extra set of arms or a muscle or something, like, how is it so easy? to? It feels like you need to get a chainsaw in order to cut through her hair. I don't, 
I, I don't know. But again, it's TV and you kind of need to get from plot point A to point B to C. So I get that aspect of it. But Jesus, I was like, come on, y'all. Do better. Ain't no way this woman's hair can be easily cut by some clippers. Also, me being Medusa, if I'm the queen, I'm banning all clippers and scissors from the kingdom. No, you do not need those items. You make it work. Um, so she possesses the psychokinetic ability to animate her hair for a number of different feats, including elongating it, so it's almost twice its size. Um, they say that her hair is approximately six feet in length when released and using her hair to lift and move heavy objects um, up to 1.6 tons, which again, again, that hair should not be easy to cut. Now, a portion of her hair must be used to anchor the rest at these greater weights so that it is more than just her skull or her uh, scalp that is used as a brace, which, yeah, because I feel like she would snap her own damn neck. But I do like Medusa. She can control the movement of her hair as if it was uh, an appendage growing from her head. A psionic field permeates her mutagenic altered hair cells this causing a mutual attraction across across gaps between strands um, these relatively small forces operate to develop larger forces also through concentration she can psionically move her hair in a manner unimaginable um, she can snap the length of it through the air like a whip um, she can rotate it like a fan she can bind a person as if it were rope um, she can lift objects that weigh, you know, past a ton. Her scalp and skull and neck do not support the weight of an object. Like, it's just, she's such an interesting character. And I think, I would go out on a limb to say Medusa is the only character like that. I can't recall any other character in the Marvel Universe whose hair is animated in that way. And that may be campy and a bit funny, but like, again being one of one in that particular part and it gives me what is the biblical story um oh the nigga with the hair uh not solomon what is the man with the y'all know what i'm talking about <clears throat> i know somebody is screaming at their phone or their computer what is the man with the hair well y'all know what i'm talking about um is it solomon mm, i don't think that's it either way i feel like when it comes to her hair there's a lot of stories that could be told and she the only other character like this who comes to mind is the character in the ninja k series and i forget her name but they look alike she's a white woman with red hair and the hair is like an extra appendage and she is whooping ass and i can't remember her name either but all you ninja uh ninja k fans let me know but she uh, the reason why I think the Medusa story could do so well is because of that Ninja K story. Now, the way in which that was written was very kind of circular and it worked. But all of the elements of that character with the red hair were so freaking good. Like all of her like origin story, you know, her training, her whooping ass, like that was so good. And I don't want to spoil that for those of you who maybe haven't read it yet. Um, but if I do do an episode on Ninja K, understand it will be spoiled. But that's why I think that Medusa could could have a story on her own. 
Uh, Karnak. Let's move on to Karnak. Karnak, Karnak. Now, Karnak has enhanced strength, stamina, durability, agility, and reflexes as a result of his genetically superior inhuman physiology. Now, unlike most other inhumans, he does not have superhuman powers because he was never exposed to the Terrigen Mist. Interesting. Instead, Karnak has the extrasensory, mm, extrasensory ability to perceive stress points, fractures, or weaknesses in objects or persons. Now this he achieved through meditation and intense training, which I like that about this character because though he is a inhuman proper, he has not gone through the terogenesis process. And that makes him to me more of a threat because if you are this bomb ass character in and of yourself now, to put him through Terragenesis, I would love for a creative team to really work at how how does he advance or does he advance at all? Because some people who are inhumans go through Terragenesis and nothing happens. They are still baseline inhumans at the end of the day. Um, now, he has complete voluntary control over most of his um, atomic bodily functions. All striking surfaces of his body are extremely toughened, so you can't hit him in the chest, arm, neck, all that stuff. It's tough. Um, he is capable of shattering substances up to and including mild steel, uh, rendering superhuman opponents unconscious by striking them. So I would say if Superman is the top tier standard that we're working with and Black Bolt is like right underneath Superman, I would put Karnak at a few rungs beneath him with with the caveat that it's like his um well i don't know i don't know because if we're ranking with superman being top tier just as like a placeholder not to say superman is better but just to put him at like this is peak alien physiology and power set and black bolt on my rating is just a little bit beneath him i think karnak I would put him much lower. However, I think with the Terragenesis, it could maybe have him supersede even Black Bolt because of all of his meditation and training and how superior he's become on his own. I'll say that. And do with that information what you will. Uh, but also let me know if you agree <laughs> or disagree with that ranking there. Um, now let me see, like, uh, all in humans, Karnak's immune system is weaker than that of an average human. Now Karnak has received his fighting skills as a result of inhuman royal militia training. He is also a graduate uh, of the religious seminary at the Tower of Wisdom in Adelaide. He uses a hover platform for transportation designed by inhuman technologies. So honestly, it seems like Karnak is Batman. Like again, just taking these familiar, um, characters and comparing them it feels like karnak is pretty much batman with like a little mix of daredevil <laughs> i would think but yeah i do like karnak i like the karnak we've gotten in the series um next is gorgon gorgon he's also an inhuman that we've gotten um in the in the show now gorgon's superhuman powers are a result of the terrigen mist so gorgon did go through the terrigen mist he has a bull's legs and hooves and can create intense shock waves equivalent to a powerful earthquake. Um, he also possesses enhanced strength and durability. Um, though like all inhumans, he has a weaker immune system than that of an average human. 
And I do like having that limitation placed on them because, again, if we're going like, if for comparisons, I'm looking at Kryptonians and then humans as like one and one. Kryptonians do have kryptonite and then humans just having a weaker immune system, I think, is a good limitation to have. And it also would make for very good stories. Now, he was exposed to the Terrigen Mist a second time by Pentagon officials. He then appeared larger and stronger and behaved more brutishly. These changes gradually faded. And that's another thing that I like. I like all these things. Uh, and it's something that I questioned in the show when I watched the pilot. Um, and then with my backlog of knowledge from seeing the Terrigen activated in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I wondered if being exposed more than once would give you somewhat of a secondary mutation or if you're now immune to the effects of a Terrigen Mist a second time. Uh, and I wonder if that's been explored at all. Uh, next up, we have Triton. Triton, Triton. Uh, he's a member of the Inhuman race, artificially mutated by the Terrigen Mist. Gives him scaly greenish skin, a small dorsal fin running from the base of his skull to his forehead, membranous fins extending from his temples, and webbing between his toes and his fingers. Now, he's able to breathe underwater, uh, to swim at great speeds, and to withstand the pressures of the deep sea. He cannot naturally breathe air and needs constant contact with water to survive. He cannot exist out of water without uh, artificial aids. His resistance to deep sea pressure also gives him superhuman strength and speed underwater. And he has the ability to survive underwater indefinitely. Which, before even knowing this when watching the pilot, I knew something was up. So homeboy got shot and fell into the water and i was like man this dude is like a fish he is survived so once it gets back to everyone on Adelaide, and like oh we gotta go find his body but whatever but like this dude clearly ain't dead he is clearly a fish and <laughs> you shot him into the water like mm, that doesn't yeah so i'm expecting to see him again um, his vision is more sensitive to the green portions of the visible spectrum, excuse me, enabling him to see in relatively dark ocean depths. Now, Triton has undergone basic inhuman royalty militia training. Now, when on land, Triton employs a water circulation system consisting of lengths of plastic tubing, which runs along his torso and limbs, maintaining a constant mist of the water and providing a supply of fresh water to his gills. Also like that limitation there. It wasn't shown, not in the pilot at least. And I don't think that they would really go all out and, and show that. Because it. I feel like with a show that doesn't have a huge budget, just paint this man green and call it a day. I doubt they get that deep. Uh, lastly, we have Crystal Amaquilin. This is the sister of uh, Medusa. Now, for her, her powers, Crystal is often described um, as an elemental due to her unique ability to psionically control the classic four elements, air, earth, fire, and water. So she's the avatar. Um, her proficiency in, in controlling these allows her to achieve various effects uh, and additional abilities. Her psionic powers are a result of the Terrigen Mist. When you couple that with genetic engineering by the Inhumans uh, from the Kree in the past, this grant in human abilities above the above the capabilities of an ordinary human. Uh, so she's all intents and purposes a avatar. She is an avatar. So um, she has the inhuman physiology. 
she can control oxygen atoms and oxygen containing molecules and create an atmospheric disturbance of various kinds. Now, crystal to me is one of the more powerful in humans because if I can control oxygen, you can't say shit to me. She, you got to pull the oxygen straight from your lungs. You know, like she is, yeah, she has a lot of power. Um, earth manipulation. She can control various substances uh, that make up bedrock. So iron, granite, shale, limestone, things like that. Uh, create those seismic uh, tremors. So again, if we're you know looking at coupling people up, I would like to see her in Storm too. Not necessarily battle, but like using their powers in tandem. If Storm is mistress of the elements and Crystal can also manipulate the elements, like that would be a bomb ass story. Like you can't tell me that wouldn't be dope. Uh, fire manipulation. Crystal possesses the psionic ability to manipulate fire. She can cause it to grow in size and intensity, and she can take on any form that she it can take on any form she desires. Uh, water manipulation. She can also control the movement of water to a certain extent. Um she does this via these interatomic van der walls force not sure what that is controlling surface tension uh dividing water from the ground causing it to flow to designated directions uh the maximum volume of water that she can control is unknown though she has demonstrated the ability to create a maelstrom large and powerful enough to trap at least a dozen individuals including Namor. So again, this little motherfucker is powerful. Namor, you can trap Namor in water. This man is water. Whew. And then, not last, I'm sorry, lastly but not least, we have Maximus the Mad. He is a supervillain. Sometimes he is an inhuman, sometimes he isn't. This man has a genius level intellect and great incentiveness. Inventiveness? Yep, inventiveness. His mental power is granted by the effects of the Terrigen Mist. Um, this gives him the ability to numb, override, and even wipe out a person's mind. He has the ability to induce short-term amnesia in other folks, and he can exchange his consciousness with another, which, oh, goodness. Um, his mental powers have a limited range, as well as a variability. He can only affect the minds in a certain radius and only create one effect at a time. His influence generally functions when Maximus concentrates, but he has left long buried influences in his subjects as well and can be triggered by a voice command. So pretty much he can create a Manchurian candidate, a sleeper cell person. Man, that's why I say like inhumans, like looking into them and the things that they're able to do and they're capable of, like this shit is wild. These folks got a lot going on that again, could needs to be should be would be nice if it was explored a bit further sooner or later the humans are going to find us up here you should have known this day was coming are we supposed to follow our king remain as silent as he is. We need to go to Earth now. We've been hiding here too long. Let's go to our rightful home. If we were on Earth, we would have a glorious planet to live on. Thrive on! You're talking about 
betraying your brother. You're talking about treason. You're blind to his intentions. Right or wrong, he's dangerous. What I'm talking about is freedom. Freedom for all inhumans. Are you going to use your voice to kill your only brother? Stop it! Anything stop us. We will create our destiny. Nothing can keep us from being free. There was a lot of negative reviews on the show The Inhumans. The CGI to me was not great. Medusa's hair was terrible. It was terrible. However, I think that with that show, it was easy enough for me to look past it. There were some terrible things with the graphics, but it wasn't enough to say, okay, this show is shitty. I'm done with it. Again, I've only seen the pilot at the time of this recording. And I thought this was a solid pilot. Like, this really felt like, oh, you want me to watch this series. I have to see what happens next. So Triton, the girl running in, in the rain, she gets three gunmen after her. Triton pops up. He's like, hey, um, you're, you're like me. She's like, oh, I'm a freak. I was like, mm, okay, sis, like, relax. Uh, he's like, no, you know, we're in humans. What if I told you there was a place where we are um, celebrated and we'll be okay and blah, 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 whatever. She's like, okay. They take off running. Some kind of way they get split up. The gunmen shoot her. She fall in the, in the water. Um, I'm sorry, fall on the ground. It's raining hard. They, <laughs> this would have me giving a side eye. These three men ran right past her body and they went after Triton. Now I get visibly, he looks more different than her. This girl looked like a human, baseline human. However, why would you just leave her body there like that? And so I was like, nah, something about this ain't right. So they chase him down, shoot him, he fall in the water. We go to Adelaide, which is fucking ugly as shit. Adelaide is the most depressive ass place I have ever seen. Um, we open up with the king and queen, Medusa and Black Bow humping. They get a card on a little charm bracelet, and then they stand up fully dressed at this open window. Which I was like, "Where's the door?" Because like, what if it rains? Maybe it doesn't rain on the moon, but what if it rains or extreme temperatures? I don't know. Whatever. All I know is Adelaide is the ugliest fucking place you ever want to be. It's like all stone, everything. It is ugly. <laughs> it's so ugly. Um, but we have a little council meeting. Everyone's like, yeah, Triton is dead. He got shot. Some nigga with like bug eyes comes and displays a projection of um, Triton's last moments. And... Max Max is an inhuman, but he's seen as a human, I guess, because he doesn't have any abilities um, in the show. Now, I don't know if in the show he has this genius intellect and that's part of his pterogenesis or if he's just a smart person. But everybody is getting on his head about, nigga, you a human, shut the fuck up. He's like, man, why you ain't tell us about this, um, this shit going on? Actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. There was a 
on Earth, we sent a rover to the moon to the moon with the camera and Gorgon when his hooves stepped on it, which caused an event. It's a whole thing. Really, the only thing I wanted to pull out from the show is that it was not a terrible episode. It made me want to watch more. I don't know if the show gets worse after that, but the effects with Medusa's hair being so bad, I think the show made up for it with Lockjaw. Lockjaw is the dog who can grow in size and can teleport. I thought his teleportation scenes were beautiful, were expertly done. Um, so I don't see the show being as terrible as folks thought. And again, I am only on the first episode, so I'll kind of check back in as I go through the series. Um, yeah, that that's pretty much it. That and having Medusa get her head shaved, which really fucked me up. Now, there's oh one other thing. There is a caste system in the Inhumans world. And to me, that was very odd. Because if you look at Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., was it season two or was it season three? I think it may be season three. Where there is like this inhuman habitat. I think it was in Asia where it was like on this floating rock mountain thing. And it was beautiful. It looked very serene. There was like no violence there. Everybody embraced being inhumans. They just lived in peace. But just the geography of that space um, in contrast to Adelaide and then the people, it's like... How did they get it right here on Earth? But y'all got a hierarchy of you go through Terra Genesis and if you don't have any abilities, you get sent down to the mines to work because that's how this city is run. I don't know. I just I, That's the one thing I was not a fan of. Um, but again, I think it is good to have things like that if you're going to lean into the royal family-ness of it all. But I was like... What the f what the hell is this? And so there is a uh, some siblings, a guy and a girl who go to Terra Genesis. The girl gets these butterfly wings, but the guy gets nothing. As it would seem, uh, Max touches his like neck, shoulder area. The boy falls out, has a seizure. He's like, "Man, I see you thrown against the wall with snakes everywhere." And so it seems as if he has visions or premonitions and. I think that's a pretty good power to have. Um, but I don't know if it's going to be treated in the way that Max's abilities are treated with him just being baseline human with higher intellect. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to be interested to see how that goes. So all in all, it was a good pilot. Cutting Medusa's hair was weird to me that she let you do that because I'd be beating your ass. And I am interested to see what happens going forward and if i come to the conclusion that i don't like the series like everyone knows or like a lot of people have um have come with so yeah so use that hashtag cbn pod let me know if you've watched inhumans if you've maybe seen the pilot at least what are your thoughts on the series um and especially if you're someone who likes it let me know and give me your thoughts and let me know should i continue to watch i mean i'm going to <laughs> but it's at my own pace but let me know if you're like yeah this really is a series that you need to get um you need to get from start to finish and consume the entire thing Alrighty, so moving on to the fun stuff the reason that we're here we have fan casting so i'm going to look over uh, some of the royal family Black Bolt, Medusa, Crystal, Maximus, Karnak, Gorgon, 
Triton in there as well. And I have one other. Now, when I looked at this, the, my logic was the humans didn't do so well in 2017. Let's reboot them for the MCU again, some kind of way, um, figure out a way to wipe out the um, former Inhumans. And that would be for me <clears throat> through the variants. I think the variants is a great tool that the MCU could use to tell so many stories. So I would love it if this cast of Inhumans that I have before me would be the variant Inhumans and take over as the main Inhumans in the MCU continuity uh, because the first series in 2017 was not um, received so well. Okay, so let's start with some of the... We'll, we'll go from top, from bottom to top. Uh, Triton. Triton, Triton, Triton. I liked him. I liked the actor who played him. Um, and I believe that... He should stay. <clears throat> From what I've seen, I know he's in like maybe two or three more episodes of the series, but this is an Asian character, Asian person, and I don't like, which I know it has, well, I'll say this. I think when you put characters in makeup, it is, especially when they're comic accurate, that, that's great, but I don't think you can check that off as like your rep representation checkbox. Um, and because he's in the original series for such a short amount of time, I would have him reprise his role. Uh, his name is Mike Mo. I believe it's Mo, M-O-H, or Ma, or something like that. Uh, so I would go with him. Um, and actually, my new addition would be Mosaic. Uh, because we do have Kamala Khan coming down the pipeline and a lot of other, you know, Young Avengers and whatnot, I think that having Mosaic and de-aging him, because I think in the comic, Mosaic is probably like 25, 26, and I'd like to bring him down to be a um, peer of Kamala Khan, so about, what, maybe 16, 18, 17, so we're up in there, and have Caleb McLaughlin who was uh, on Stranger Things. I'd like for him to be Mosaic. And then, but Mosaic, you'd have to alter him a bit for the live action because I know that would be an expensive character just by his design. He would be expensive. Uh, let's go to Gorgon. I would actually like Jason Momoa. The Gorgon we have in the series is a black man. Uh, and I'm going to attempt his name. Forgive me, I might butcher it. It's Emi Equacor. I-K-W-A-U-K-O-R. Um, and I think that he is a really, really good actor. So, I, um, I, yeah, I think he do a really good job. I think he do a good job. I don't, um, and we can even have the original Gorgon or even all the humans back for some, I don't know. The crossover event i don't know but i think that jason would do a good job he's big he's massive he already is recognizable i think that'd be a draw people would be into the show or at least watch it just for him alone so i think justin momoa would be a good gorgon karnak i actually would gender bin karnak and forgive me i think i'm going to say this name correctly priyanka chopra 
Um, she is, I think, the wife of Nick Jonas, but she was the lead in Quantico. And I haven't watched that series in years, but I remember going through, I think, the first two seasons, I binged both of those. And I was, like, heavily into Quantico. Um, and she was a big part of it. The stunts and whatnot and, like, the espionage of it all, I think she would do a really good job with that Karnak um with that Karnak character and that'd be something different uh and it'd be you know a little bit more shaking up the royal family and I love to see a woman um holding her own aside aside Gorgon and having that I don't know it's just I just I think she would do a damn good job and also again it puts another woman uh on the playing board playing field when it comes to the royal family or the royal yeah the royals so yeah i would gender bend karnak to be priyanka chopra um maxima maximus max the wild guy henry golding this guy was on it was a holiday movie i saw henry god what was it it was a netflix a netflix God, what was it? It was a weird... I don't know, whatever. But he was in Crazy Rich Agents, too. Um, A few things. Last Christmas. That's what it was. Last Christmas. And he played a very... I haven't seen Crazy Rich Agents, but in Last Christmas, he was a very kind of goofy, fun, lighthearted character. But I feel like he would have the acting chops to be Maximus. Um... He's a big guy. What is is he Malaysian? What is his race? Ooh, Malaysian. Yes, he is Malaysian from the district of Bitong. Um, his mother is Sir mm, Sarah Wakian, an indigenous Iban Dayak ancestry. Um, and his father's British. <laughs> so there's that. But I think that he would do a good job. Um, and, and it could just be me projected because I really like seeing characters or actors and actresses who are usually playing one particular role do something very drastic. And seeing him in that last Christmas movie being so goofy, it was a romantic comedy. I would love to see the switch and see him being this angry, evil dude now iwan rion who plays maximus did a damn good job from what i saw in episode one um i think he is a good actor he was also in game of thrones and misfits misfits is where i met him and i fell for him he is a damn good actor um and i think he was perfectly cast in that but if i'm doing my own recasting yeah i'm definitely going with henry golding uh okay so crystal now this one was a wasn't necessarily difficult it was just me trying to figure out who i think could handle so and this is this is me considering the inhumans but also considering the humans portrayal on the episode the pilot episode of their series so i wanted someone who was slight and small frame like the actress who plays crystal isabel cornish is her name and i wanted someone who is not who doesn't look threatening and when I say threatening, somebody who looks like if you were to fight them, like, oh, I could beat their ass. And that's such an odd way to, like, think of this character. But I 
I want I I wanted to cast that direction because I feel like that is a part of Crystal's charm that she is a beautiful, s- slight young girl who looks like she's not a threat, but then her power set is very much I'm gonna whoop your ass, and I went with Logan Browning. Logan is, she played in Dear White People. And what else did Logan play in? I think it was that cheerleading show on BET. But I think that she is physically exactly what a crystal is. And she's a very beautiful girl. And even with Crystal's hairstyle, I say get that girl some box braids and put that little black mark, whatever that shit is on Crystal's hair, put that put that on Logan's braids and call it a day. Um, but I do think that she could, I think she has the acting chops to um, inhabit that role. I think she looks non-threatening enough that once she uses her powers, it is a bit more um, uh, interesting, for lack of a better word. And I just think after watching that pilot, you could substitute Isabel for Logan and you would still get the same if not a slightly better performance again nothing against isabel you know she did what she had to do uh because i actually liked crystal probably the most in that pilot uh she was getting on my nerves a little bit but she pulled through like by the second act and i was like oh so if this is the crystal that we're going to get throughout the series i like this person like give me a little bit more so there's that now down to black boat and medusa and my casting for them, I actually went with Aldous Hodge for Black Bolt and Laverne Cox as Medusa. They're both old enough and they both have features I feel like would work well together. I do not like Medusa's wig. I do not like the CGI. Hopefully we've come far enough along with technology that we could get it to be a bit more believable. And I think that Laverne would do a really good job at portraying this regal queen because you know no shade to sardina swan who plays medusa i i was like okay i don't she i didn't like her performance and the more i think about it it's it wasn't terrible i just think that she was one of the weaker act the weaker performances in that pilot um, Aaron or Anson Mount, who plays Black Bolt, of course, Black Bolt doesn't speak, so a lot of his acting is physical acting. Uh, he does a lot of sign language, which I am not fluent in sign language, so I'm not sure if things were made up, which I would hope that they wouldn't be, but made up signs for like the inhuman race, or if this is actual sign language, but I would hope that this is American Sign Language that he used throughout the the show. But I still like to say, I didn't really like Serdina's performance as Medusa. Um, And that's independent of the CGI wig, because that's his own thing, and the actress has no control over that. But I didn't really like... I I just didn't think... I thought she was one of the weakest for what they had her do, especially, like... The fight scene she had, it, to me, it, it was one of those, I ah, ain't believable. It didn't pull me out of the show, but I was like, nah, I don't see this for you. Um, yeah, but I think Laverne Cox as Medusa and Aldous Hodge as uh, Black Bolt would be phenomenal casting. Uh, Crystal is Medusa's sister and Maximus is Black Bolt's brother. And seeing... 
Aldis, Laverne, Logan, and Henry all interacting together. I would like to see that. Powers aside, just them inhabiting these characters and doing whatever they do, be it a reboot of the series, be it a movie or whatever, I think this would be a, a good cast, an interesting cast. So you guys let me know. Who would you cast for Black Bolt, Medusa, Crystal, Maximus, Karnak, Gorgon, Trita, Triton, and, you know, add in another Inhuman if you like. And let me know what you think about my casting. Do you think that this is a cast that would work? Is this a cast that, you know, we could get a good story out of? Um, even if you disagree, I'd like to hear, you know, if you liked it or not. Uh, but, yeah, that's my casting. I really think that Aldish, Aldish, Aldish Hodge and Laverne Cox could, like, pull it fucking through for the Inhumans and at the very very least you get a bit more diverse cast I know there are people who are upset with race and gender bending and whatnot, but like bro come on the Inhumans did not chart the way y'all wanted them to and that's unfortunate and I'm glad those folks got a check but we could do something a bit different. So let me know. Let me know. What are your thoughts on my casting? What are your thoughts on the Inhumans? Uh, what's your casting? You don't have to cast everyone. Um, if you want to just do one or two or three or all, just let me know. I want to know what your thoughts are. Use that hashtag CBNPod uh, on Twitter, online, and let me know who do you cast where. Um, Inhumans. Interesting bunch of folks. Interesting bunch of folks. I have a... Maybe I'll say a newfound appreciation for them. And I do plan on finishing the series and maybe even going back through Marvel Unlimited and looking at some of their earlier appearances. But I for sure need to get on that Black Bolt series that I did not finish. Uh, that being said, thank you guys so much for tuning in with me, listening to my ramblings, ranting and raving. And... Um, yeah, Happy New Year. I hope you guys came into 2022 uh, just as better, if not as good as you were before. That's so weird. <laughs> I'm not going to take that out. Anyways, thank you all for joining me. Check me back here next time. Um, and until then, uh, stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky. And oh, also hit me up on the emails if need be. Carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com if you got a little bit more to say. Um, but yeah. Till next time.